What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! All aboard! I brought my pencil! What do you wanna do with your life? Walk on home, boy! Yeah! What's up, Deuterinos? Welcome back to Rank 'em All, that collaborative podcast where a couple guys or dudes, dudettes, sit down and go through some of our favorite bands or artists, and we figure out what albums are truly the best and where they rank. Of course, we get that by ranking all the songs, and that gives us the album rank, and we rank them all together. Joining me here today, of course, I'm Brando, and joining me here today is the one and only savant of doom, Nick Maxson. Good to be here. Good to be with you, fellas. It is a go- now. You had another title just a little bit ago, and, and uh, our, our old buddy here, Podfather, Nate Phillips, he came up with one for you the, the moment you, that you got on the Zoom call. So what was that, Nate? I don't fucking remember what did I said. <laughs> uh, it was, oh, I did the I did the Final Fantasy th- thing, but I don't remember exactly what I called him. I don't. Okay. It was a real nice one. Oh, I'll tell you that. It was a nice one, and I was trying to replicate it, but apparently you cannot remember. Hopefully you remember your ranks. And also joining us here today is the one and only Dong Father himself, <laughs> Dongo. Got it. Rich the Dongliest. The Dongliest. The Dongliest. Stop it. He's the dangliest of Dongliest. He is Dongo Richie, Dick Tyner. Today we are still on Metallica. Uh, we have now come out on the other side of, of the Dark Horse yeah, of the Metallica have. albums. We... We, you know, we did it again. We survived, and um, you know, I want to say that every band has a turd and well, has and, a giant pile. It is, <laughs> I mean, as of right now, that's the lowest ranked, right? That's, I mean, without oh, absolutely, absolutely. It also, has, I believe, that album also has the lowest ranked songs uh, of them. And today, we're going to be talking about Death Magnetic, and at the very end, we're going to throw in the Beyond Magnetic EP for funsies. This is one. I haven't been able to do this for a little bit. I've actually got the vinyl of it. Uh, nice. This is a. This is actually just a reprint, but I found. I want to say I found this in a store, and also uh, for Record Store Day a few years back, they actually did do a vinyl release of Beyond Magnetic, and I found it at our local uh, record store. For it's at fit- FYE. Huh? It's at FYE. Is it? Uh, how much well, is it at, at, at FYE? Do you remember? I don't. Okay, fine. Because this other place I go to, and a place that I frequented quite a bit, uh, JL Records, they had it for like 50 bucks, and I'm like, eh, for four songs. I don't know. Um, you know, that's going to be one of those things that where it's like, hey, Brando's got like $500. He could go spend however he wants. Go and have fun, Brando. And I might make some rounds, go pick up some games. Maybe then, if they still have it, I'll be like, you know what? Today's the day. How much did you say it was? 50 50 yeah, okay, not to spoil anything, but that's twelve dollars and fifty cents a song, just so you know. Just yeah, that's I, I don't think those four songs are worth fifty dollars. Well, okay. And that's it's exactly rarity, according, that's according ex- to Napster era Lars, it might be <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, and that's why I brought it up because uh it it's a bit expensive. It is a limited release for record store day, and I get that completely, you know. Um I uh I have a I have a limited regular store release of one of my albums as well. And I actually had to go out and buy another version of that album just so I wouldn't open it. <laughs> so like I totally get it. And for the collection purposes, that's a maybe, as I said, but I also don't go out 
buying the vinyls for every single band that I'm into. You know, like I I have Beyond Magnetic on CD. If I never get it on vinyl, am I going to lose sleep about it? No. However, it's cool to have a physical copy of it, you know, just to say that I have, you know. The, the Death Magnetic, like, collector's edition, like, CD is probably, like, one of my favorite packages. It's like CD because it's got the depth of the. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, I actually do have like the deluxe did digipack where it's like uh, when yeah. you open it up and now and now it sucks to read lyrics because they because it cuts out all the damn lyrics and so like this is almost like a quasi load situation where you're just like hey where are the lyrics to cure and and you're just like everyone seems <laughs> to have the sickness <laughs> it's like everyone needs to everyone seems to need to cure and I'm like well like I know that part but like what like I what need else? all the other shit though <laughs> but I, uh, I was. Secure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say that 50 bucks is not the most expensive version of Beyond Magnetic that exists as I was trying to find it at oh, FYE's nice. website and there is a version of Beyond Magnetic that costs $2,400. Why? It is signed by all four members of the band and do, does come with a certificate of authenticity that it is directly from them. Okay, but I don't These think are it's songs. We, we it's authenticated. These are ours. <laughs> so like, I'm kind of in a mixed bag territory when it comes to like buying uh, signed items. Uh, it's cool, you know. It's awesome. I, I I've done it that, when it doesn't cost me that much extra to get something signed. Nate, you and I did that with like an Iced Earth record a long time ago, where we got yeah. like something signed. Uh, but but more so, it's like I would like it more if I was able to actually go and do like a meet and greet and take something to have them sign it. Yeah, I feel like you know, I feel like that would mean more, you know. And um, I know that you know, I mean, Metallica is one of the biggest bands on the entire universe. Like to to go to a meet and greet for them is not going to be cheap. You know, it's going to be probably more than buying just that. That death beyond that magnetic, yeah, that beyond magnetic sign thing. But it's the experience, cool. and I've seen how they do it. When you wait in line, you don't move in the line. And and the band comes out one at a time, one member, and walks down that line and talks to everybody. And they talk to you. And they want to know who you are, why you're there, man. What's up? How you doing? Like, you know, they'll sign whatever you have with you, whatever you're carrying, you know? Like, hey, I got, I, sorry, I got my kid in my carrier here. Can, like, can you sign him? <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, uh, but no, they will do that, and you know, like they, I, I've seen people carry guitars in, you know, because then, uh, and I'm pretty sure they do it all before the show. That way, you can take your stuff back to your car and then go back into the venue, and you know, go Hope to God that nobody breaks into your car while you're out you'll, there. You're like, well, see, for me, I would bring a couple albums or something like that, things that meant something, yeah, and yeah. and then have them sign it, and and to get that one-on-one time with the band. Uh, whether it's metal or, or like anybody, whoever your favorite band or artist is, that is something special to be able to like speak one-on-one with somebody who, you know, some people get really uh, captivated or starstruck and are, and are, and are, un, are, un, are incapable of speaking. But sometimes, you know, like to sit there and be like, Hey, you know, like to tell them, like, especially if they did or had a part in something, if, if something they did helped you out, through something, through their art, through their music. And, right. And I, you know the fact that they get that all the time. But I could also th- think that that would never get tiring. You know, that that that's a, that, that is a level of humbleness that it's like, wow, 
that's awesome that I was able, hey, you know, us up here doing this silly shit that we do, you know, helped you and spoke to you. And I'm glad it did. But anyway, we just went off the deep end there. Uh, <laughs> Death Magnetic was released in 2008. I believe it was September September 12th, 2008. I remember the day it came out. I actually went and picked it up. And uh, it's another long boy. It is another long boy at 74 minutes, 46 seconds. This is the last album that they did that was part of a record company, a part of their record deal. Uh, now, whether or not they that, re- that original deal ever got augmented for money or whatever but they originally signed a like a record deal for a crazy not like number of records like 10 or something and this was the last one and after this Metallica purchased their entire back catalog rights from Warner Brothers for multiple millions of dollars and they formed what Blacken Recordings as their own label to say we own it you don't own our shit and not okay. every not every artist gets to do that. These are the spiciest songs known to man. I, I remember hearing James saying like he like he was telling his kid how important that was. It's like, yes, it cost us twenty five million dollars. It was more than what we wanted to pay. But that's <laughs> there's something special about owning your own work. That nobody else can have a say in where, what, when and how happens to your work. Yeah, and, so you don't end up like the police. You know, the police luckily had rights to their music, mm-hmm. but the song Don't Stand So Close to Me, you know, they got pitched all the time. Let us use that for a deodorant commercial. It's like, it's going to fucking ruin that song for everybody, man. So Metallica got lucky being able to buy their, their catalog back because they aren't being put in a position where they're going to hear their music on some shitty movie they don't want to be a part of and be like, well... We don't own the rights. What can you do? Def Leppard has a has a similar issue where they don't own their original masters, and um, for a while they, they weren't on Spotify. They re-record theirs, don't they? Well, they did. They were. Yeah. They actually went back and re-recorded some some of their bigger hits. I think they did like Hysteria and like Rock of Ages. And it's crazy the fact that they were able to do it and have it sound damn near just as good as it did like thirty years ago. Um, especially since you know everybody gets older and their voices change and everything. Yeah, but that yeah no they got an agreement uh, uh not not genrely relevant at all but Taylor Swift has, has a similar issue where she doesn't own her music, um, her music got bought by somebody who I guess in some way wronged her or was abusive towards her, and he wanted he he wanted to sell it just and, and this happened just like a week ago, uh so this kind of dates this episode from like when we recorded it but. Probably her ex that she keeps writing about. It could be one of those damn exes. She has a lot of them. John Mayer was one of them. Good guitar player, John Mayer. Uh, oh, yeah, he's a guitar player. Um, uh, no, uh, so she wanted to buy it back, and he sent her like a a whole legal agreement that she would never speak bad about him again, uh, never speak ill of anything that he does. or like Basically, it's like not, not, like none of the things that you've ever said has ever happened. And she's like, I cannot do that. So then he sold it to somebody else, some other company. And this company's like, hey, Taylor, we own your music. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, cool. That's the second time that my entire catalog of music has been sold without my knowledge. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> no, but she's going through the same thing where she's going to re-record her stuff too. So that way she, she owns the newer recordings of them. So, you know, this whole uh, like 
rights issue, it, like, like, it, like it really sucks for a lot of artists, for a lot of bands. That's why if you go to Spotify or something and you pick a band, there might be an album or two that are missing because it was on. They maybe this they, they switched labels and the the rights issues then change. So like, that's really unfortunate that a lot of smaller bands, I guess, are not as fortunate as like Metallica or somebody else who actually has the cash to lay down, knowing that hey, you know, we did all this great stuff and we made all this money. Let's go and spend that wisely on our own stuff. And they did. Um, so death magnetic was the end of an era for that. Of course, one of the big themes for the album was death and, uh, Lane Staley's death had a lot to do with that as well. Um, even the song uh, rebel of Babylon has some references to kind of like addiction and some of the things that Lane was going through, you know, some of the things that I was thinking of, I'm not sure if we talked about it on the St. Anger episode or not, but it was, uh, how much Lane's journey, because I, I want to say he died in 2002. James went to rehab in this, around the same time. If, like, Lane's death had any effect on James' psyche during that time of, like, whether or not that pushed him to go to rehab or not, I don't I don't really think that that was a driving force. But the fact of, here's this guy that we know, this colleague of ours, really good friend, he's now gone. You know, if I don't take care of myself and my life, that could be me, you know. And so they wrote about the, like the themes of that a lot on this album. The, the album debuted at number one. They became the first band to have five consecutive number one debuts. And uh, it sold very well as well. Uh, I don't even... Um, platinums. Platinums on platinums. That's all we're going to go there. Uh, and, and they won some Grammys for this one too. Uh, Grammys, I want to say they won, a, they won a Grammy for, uh, for My Apocalypse. They pick some of the weirdest shit. Yeah. Yeah. What? You know, like they. I mean, I don't hate the song, but it's just like it's not the best. No, especially not, like not on the record. It's like I would pick a couple different ones before that. But yeah. like just like earlier, when we, like or, like earlier on in the series, like be, like hey, we won a Grammy for better than you. I wonder if the band's like we did. Wow. <laughs> like we really don't have to try anymore, do we? <laughs> 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 maybe that's what it was maybe the the like, like the music association is like here, here here here's a good palette of a song that doesn't mention fire or violence or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> but then they picked my apocalypse so i don't know uh the personnel for metallica uh the band members are james heffield lars ulrich kirk hammett and the first album to actually feature robert trio and this is also another big uh first this is the first album that hasn't been produced by bob rock uh, since they teamed up for the Black Album, this is a departure, and they brought in Rick Rubin, who is, who's been a genre hopping producer, doing Johnny Cash, doing uh, was it Chili Peppers, uh, uh, so many system, of yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like you know, mad respect for all that, but also um, uh, we need to talk about the loudness of this record before we actually start diving into the songs. I'm looking at the comparison on their Wikipedia page. So I got that picture, and it's a picture of the song "My Apocalypse." I sent it to the group chat, and that's the that's that is the wave file. That those are the audio samples of the the, and I have it on screen right now for everybody watching, on, like on the YouTube's that that you know you can go watch the videos of this. The top ver the, the top one is "My Apocalypse" from the CD. That is the CD that we all bought, and the bottom one, the one that looks not nearly as loud was ripped from Guitar Hero, where it had been remixed to be a little bit more palatable. 
I mean, this album is loud. Yeah. So I've been listening to like every every so often it'll come up in my shuffle while in my car, and it sounds fine in the car. It actually sounds fine in the car. Not too loud, not too clipping all over the place and blowing out my speakers. As soon as I throw it in headphones, those things are blown up. Drew, listen. Can't imagine what it sounds like on the Zoom. Oh yeah, the Zoom was a terrible experience. So much clipping. <laughs> it's probably one of the things that's most written in the notes is clipping, clipping again, more clipping here. Yeah. Why are we? Cl- I'm not gonna. I'm literally just. Spoiler, I'm not going to say it during the notes now because I'm just getting it out of the fucking way now. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. lots of clipping, motherfuckers. It Even happened. It was the remix bad. version. So I've been listening. My actual listens through have been through Apple Music, which is the remix remastered version. And even then, the snare, while better than St. Anger, it's a different snare. Um, it still clips, but it's, oh. it's lower volume. It's a lower volume. You can hear it kind of peek out. It's like, ah. But the rest sounds great. Yeah. So uh, if that's everything that we've got to say, kind of preluding. Uh, oh, I'll uh, I'll get this out of the way because this is how it's written. Uh, I believe in the in the vinyl as well as on their Wikipedia. All lyrics are written by James Hetfield, and all music is composed by Hetfield, Ulrich, Hammock, and Trio. So, in other words, Trio got writing credits for all these. And they did not nice. do that for the next album. The, for the next album, it's definitely more uh, James and Lars, and I think Rob has one or two. Um, and then Kirk has nothing because he lost his damn phone. Uh, <laughs> the Deluxe Edition, Demo Magnetic. I love it. Okay, so Demo, yeah, so like if you get the Deluxe Edition, they they actually are called by their uh, by their original like little stupid titles. So you have like High Guy, 19, but the 9 is spelled German. Black Squirrel, Casper, Flamingo, German Soup, Un3, Jim Bag, Cthulhu, but K2LU, and then 10, which is, I guess, 10 because they had 10 songs. But they actually uh, originally recorded, as, as we said before, 14, and they whittled it down to 10. We'll talk about the other four later. But guys, are you guys ready to dive into these songs and talk about them? Let us do it. Oh. Let us begin. Let us rank them all. <clears throat> The opening track, we've said it time and time again, they like to come out balls to the wall or at least set the tone, and I believe they at least set the tone. Uh, this is a different feel. There, it starts off with a heartbeat. This song is called That Was Just Your Life, and I, and I don't know if they meant it this way, but this is the way that I felt it. Is like The band went through a lot during that St. Anger era, and then coming out of it for the shows... You know, and, and for the tour, they they kind of got like reinvigorated. They uh, and then obviously it obviously shows for this record, but like the heartbeat is still there, you know. Whereas before, it would come in with like an acoustic intro, fire, fire with fire, battery, or like hit you balls to the wall, uh, give me fuel, give me fire, give me that. What's I desire? No, it's just a heartbeat, and it's very solemn coming in for a second, you know. And you're like, okay, where are we going here, right? And then the the album's loud. We've already said this. So if you got your headphones on, you're like, okay, what's going on here? And then they kick in, and then you're like the dude who's on the CD of the, the Memorex or the Phillips, where you're just like, <laughs> you're far back, and your hair's getting like, down, down, down. And that, that snare's loud as ever, but it's not a trash can. So, uh, Thank God. Right? Right. It's actually yeah, a snare. I can snare. hold it normally now. 
So tens all around. You know, uh, Blaine is no longer Lars, tra- uh, you know, uh, drum tech. Uh, <laughs> he got somebody else. Who actually, yeah, he hired someone slightly here. more um, able for the job. I guess I took over for a couple of weeks. <laughs> You're like, here, here's an actual snare. And Lars is like, oh, that's way better. <laughs> it says Tama. I'm into Tama. He still defends that snare to this day. He's like, no, it was right for the time. Shut up, Lars. I'm not sure if it was right for any time, but the song right for the time, <laughs> wrong your whole life. Also, yeah. this album is full of long boys. All the songs here are relatively yeah. long. It's almost like a return to the justice era. As far as song length, they, they got away from the whole black album. Let's make it shorter, concise, radio friendly. They're just like, you know what? What would we have done back then? What we, what was the riff that we would do here? What's the decision we would do here? Uh, this this album has riffs upon riffs, but yeah, unlike Saint not Anger, a song under five minutes. No, but unlike Saint Anger, the the riffs actually go somewhere for the most part. You know I mean they they're, they actually lead to places, and um, yeah. So that's what I've got to say about that first song. We'll shoot it over to Nick. What do you got to say about that? Was just your life. Uh, I liked it. Um, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if like. After, because this is right after Saint Anger. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think, like, coming into this, like, are you waiting for that snare? <laughs> like, <laughs> man, did they, did, they fucking, did they figure it the fuck out? Um, I wrote down that within the first thirty seconds, I was like, this is more enjoyable than the entire Saint Anger album. Everything, first thirty seconds, I'm like, this is this is already better. Um, <clears throat> it, feels like, it feels like a return to form almost. That um, that riff when they get into it and they finally kind of like. Cause they, it's like an intro, soft intro, harder, a uh, uh, couple here, tilt there, to bounce there, there. When it comes into the main lick, that that is, that is such a James riff. Like yep. that, that reminded me so much of just an '80s James. It, it's pretty simple, but 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 how fast he picks it with the with with, with the like little like triplet like like opens that it's like yep. No, I'm in. I'm all in. Yep. It was great. I loved it. I had a good guitar solo. We're back to having guitar solos. Yeah. We ex- not only are they here, but they're pretty good for the most part. They're good. Yeah. 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 There's only, there's maybe one or two that I was like, I mean, he's fucking kicking ass, but it's not the best. But I mean, there's, most songs have really cool guitar solos. So that was nice. Yeah. I loved it. All right. Uh, Dick, what do you got to say? Uh, like Nick said, it's a return to form. Um, where Saint Anger was probably the fertilizer for the modern era of Metallica. <laughs> you mean uh, horse shit? Horse shit. <laughs> uh, like- you know what grew from the the earth that was fertilized with Saint Anger is just awesome. Like it, it's a return to form. Uh, it's channeled anger. This this song is like all that anger from Saint Anger. It, it's just now focused, and I love the aggression and James's voice. I love uh, going back to the punk rock feel of it, and ah, uh, yeah, I, I dug this. It's it's good to be back. It's good to be back. All right, Nate, what do you got? Oh man, my notes are abound here. So the heartbeat. Let's talk about it, Brando, because when you were sitting there, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I had a thought on that too. I feel like that heartbeat is the symbolization of their revival. Yeah. 
Like they were literally on life support and Metallica could have pulled the plug and walked away after St. Anger. And that could have been it. I mean, they didn't, they didn't. And luckily we got the revitalization, but that heartbeat was just letting the fans know, like there's still something here. There's still fire in our veins and we want it. And I wrote <clears throat> the slow, creepy intro into that riff is just amazing. It hits you thrashy. Uh, Lars's drumming is actually pretty insane in this song. Like when you think about his age and what he's actually doing in this, you're like, how do you still have this gear? Not even just this song, but in multiple parts on the album. And we'll talk about that as well. That's just kind of like the setup here. Um, this song does have a shift into a groove that is signature Metallica. Now it's something they've mastered knowing how to fall into that groove that just works. The chorus absolutely rips. I love the uh, angular harmonies pre-solo, uh, and then um, a little a little diving into something. I really there's a lo- a little phrase in one of the co- verses. I think it's like verse three or four, uh, like a touch from hell to feel how hot that it can get if you get caught. Like a strike from heaven turns that key and brings you straight down to your knees. I love that line. I think it's just super clever wordplay. It is simplistic while also being very 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 impactful. Um, I the super harmonic and fast bit fucking slays. And here's something we haven't talked about yet. You guys haven't said yet. This song does not feel seven minutes long. No, it just doesn't. It feels like a four and a half minute long song, and there's so much going on that you're like, well, because ours is just keeping it going the whole fucking way. Yeah, and and that like I said, that seven minutes runs through quick. So let's real quick while we're here talk about the total live performances. The number is pretty startling because I thought it was going to be less. 170 live performances. Wow. It must have been wow. for that entire run because they did two different U.S. tours. They did a European run. They went over to China maybe during this time. Quebec Magnetic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like it, it kind of makes sense because it was the, oh, the, it was the opener. And I do believe that when they released this, they dedicated themselves to, you know what? When we used to release a new album... We would come in with a lot of our biggest hits and then really do one or two songs from the new album. We wanted to go back to the old days when we didn't have all that great stuff and literally play like half the album. Like we're going to put in a lot of the songs, new songs, and really bury it into your brain that, hey, these are songs that you need to go listen to. You know, go go check out this album. So I feel like overall this album, you're probably going to see a lot more higher numbers than you than we would have. Like going back into the starting within like the black albums and loads. I mean, black albums, you had a bunch of like five, six singles anyway, but with loads and reload, like there's plenty of songs in there that never got played live, you know? So thankfully. Yeah. 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 Nate, uh, nothing else, but you got a rank for me. 8.25. Let's start it off solid. I think this is a great beginning for the album and Dick. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. And Nick. <laughs> Get 6.75. 6.75. Damn. I'm sticking to my guns on these ranks. I, I spent a lot of time going back and looking at old ranks from other albums and thinking like, thinking oh. like, do I like that song as much or not? Yes, I do. I did a lot of that. So, But fret not. There, I have a lot of high numbers on this. I was pretty excited. I was like, oh, my God, I actually like these songs. Oh, yeah. I gave <laughs> well, this song an eight. You kind of have to uh, think, do I like these songs more just because we just listened to St. Anger? <laughs> or are these actually good? That is why I went back to my old ranks. Uh-huh. To see. Like there are some songs, there's at least one song where I was like, ooh, I really like this. And I went back and I was like, 
But man, I only ranked that song at this. That wouldn't be fair to that song at all. When I came into work and talked to Brandon, I was like, dude, it's so nice to listen to good Metallica again. And then <laughs> as I listened on, I was like, okay, now I can objectively listen to this. <laughs> it is a bit of a shock, uh, especially with the way that we're doing this. And if you're listening to us, to the to the catalog along with us to go from because we had a five year break in between Saint Anger and Death, so like that was real life. Like we like we were hungry for something new, and uh, that's a story for uh, for for a little bit later on. But no, I did give uh, that was just your life an eight. So uh, moving on to track number two, the end of the line, which I believe is another set. It's seven minutes and fifty two seconds. This is another uh, as I said, they're, they're all pretty much long. Uh, the end of the line, and we're going to kick it off with Blaine because Blaine, you told me, it's like, you asked me if there was a weak spot or I asked you if there was a weak spot on the album for you. And at first you said no. And then you came back and you said, (laughs) yeah, that was my, that was like my first, like, ah, death magnetic. This is nice. And then, then I came back. I'm like, Hey, I found it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that was this song, right? Yeah. Like number two. Yeah, so back in the day when I... So this is... Death Magnetic is the first Metallica album that came out while I've been a fan of them, while I've been uh, familiar with them, I guess, or as familiar as I could have been in 2008. Um, So, like, I I downloaded this album illegally, and I I jammed it, I liked it, but there... I, I was more in love with the singles as I would have been for most bands at that time. Mm-hmm. There goes our fucking sponsorship, Dick. Good job. Metallica's going to hear you illegally downloaded it, and Lars is going to blacklist rank them all, you bastard. Out of all the bands you could have done that with. <laughs> Disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, you could just... We could edit that out. But, um, so originally, <laughs> originally, my uh, least favorite song on this album was My Apocalypse. And that was back in the day, back when I wasn't really into the super thrashy songs and uh, back when I didn't like the Master of Puppets album. Thanks, Rankham All. You changed that. Um, But now listening to this, I think it's not that this is a bad song. It's just uh, the end of the line is, in my opinion, the weakest song on this album. That being said, it's not a bad song. It's just not as good as the others. Right on, right on. Uh, We'll go to Nick next. What do you got, bud? Um, I didn't really like the main riff. I did enjoy the vocals more than the first song. Um, I don't know if that was just the way he was doing it or the placement of how he was saying it, but I definitely remember going like, okay, well, I, I like these vocals more than that first song. Um, had a wicked guitar solo. Um, the passage right after the guitar solo I thought sounded really cool. Um, and then the slow build up to the outro I really liked too. Generally pretty good song. This is the song that kind of like, as you said, it has that little spot where it's like they get really quiet after they start like, and then it almost sounds like a different song completely towards the end. Is that is that where it says the slave becomes the master? Yep. Yeah. No. Like this song. Whereas for me personally, the first song doesn't feel seven minutes long. This song kind of does. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not that it's bad. In fact, I do like the first riff, the opening riff. But then there's like different variations of that that aren't as, I don't know, aren't as good. It definitely sounds like more of a, 
Yeah, and, and you're gonna hear this a, like a couple different times on here. Like, hey, this sounds like you know where I said, hey, the first song sounded like something. Hey, this is something that James wrote in the '80s. Some of these riffs in here are, are song or riffs that he would have wrote like in the '90s. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, and I feel like this album kind of bounces back and forth of like different styles of that that they've kind of done. And it's like, hey, how about we do this? So we did this on this song. And what's funny is that if you ever watch uh, footage of them in the studio. They'll, they'll at times reference other songs for ideas. Um, and I, I don't remember what song it was, but there was uh, there's actually a spot where Lars is talking to like Rick Rubin or something. And they're like, hey, there's a spot, you know, in like disposable that we did this and, and something like that could fit here. So like now that they've have all this back catalog and these other ideas and they're trying to like sometimes dude you're sitting there and you've been doing this stuff for thirty years you're like I don't know what to do guys I don't know <laughs> like well what about this you know what about that you're like well hey there's this song here this song over here this style is kind of like uh kind of like a uh, memory remains style but it's not memory remains so they keep you know dropping some of that stuff but uh, Nate what did you think about end of the line punchy and banging. The main riff is really catchy. I mean, once it's in your head, you're like, God, okay, it's good. Uh, Thrash is back. They really are bringing it on this song. The clever guitar layering in the chorus is really fun. The lyrics, in my opinion, are kind of Metallica looking at their time left making songs. Like, they're like, realistically, have we reached the end of the line? Did we reach the end of the line? And and, and to just kind of jump ahead the slave becomes the master kind of solidifying that they were once a slave to the machine and they know where they're going after this album. They know they're going to get the rights to their tunes back. They're not going to be under the foot of Warner anymore. The slave has now become the master and they are running the ship they want to run. And I think that's really beautiful and poetic. Um, the interlude is jarring and forgettable until it breaks loose back to that killer solo. I, I just did not like that build up to the solo but then once the solo got there it was great the jam breakdown is fun slow guitars with bass feels like a mix of og talica here you go and a blend of load era which they kind of blended perfectly and i I do love that line the slave becomes the master it's one of my favorites uh on the tune let's look at the let's look at the stats here real quick end of the line and i also do want to mention that just like this song uh, the last song was only performed between 2008 and 2010. Mm-hmm. And that trend continues here as uh, End of the Line has 149 live performances from the literally the day the album released was the first time it was performed live in Berlin, Germany. And the final time was November 18, 2010 in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Nate. Well, hit me with that rank. Eight point two five, just like the last one. Eight point two five, and Nick. Six point five. Six point five, and Dick. I'm with Nick on this. Six and a half. Give this song a seven. As I said uh, before, the length kind of gets me here. Um, whereas, like the length really killed me on some of the songs in Saint Anger. I like most of what they did with the song, but that length just kind of, I don't know. It, it doesn't sit as well with me as the first song did. Uh, the next song, Broken, Beaten, Scarred. Uh, that clocks in at 6 minutes, 25 seconds. So a little bit shorter. A little bit more simple of a song here than the last two songs. Especially, like, lyrically, it's a little bit repetitive. Uh, but I actually like the theme of it. 
you know, don't give up, you know, um, it's pretty simple with how he says it. I actually do like just like what don't kill ya, make ya more strong. And I really love where they do like these these big powerful chords after that, where it's like rise, rise fall, fall, yeah, wow, wow, wow. I, 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 for some reason sonically those chords are awesome with me. And um, there's a part at the near the end where the it's like. It kind of shifts off for the solo, and I like the riff. The da 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 da. It's like very, like whoa, like like the song overall isn't thrashy until that part. Like it's a very this song has a lot of groove. Um, just the the the, the simple bomb bomb and just it was just a simple pull. It's very, very simple. It's almost like a, a, I disappear. You know, just a simple way to do a riff. But it works. And if there's one thing that I can add, and now is a good time to say it as any, um, the overall contribution from Rob on this album, while you know, I know, I know for a fact there's one song that exists because of him. Um, but the overall feeling I get is just, it's more in the pocket and groovy where it's like maybe during the, you know, uh, Newstead era where he was like really thumpy and heavy with it. And then he would be groovy when it called for it. You know, Bob was Bob on St. Anger that there's nothing on that damn album. That's groovy. Um, <laughs> but just bobbing I, along, just bobbing along, bobbing you know, you know, there there's a lot of groove, like where you just fire yourself. You either you're headbanging or you're just kind of grooving along. You know, and I get that a lot from this album. But uh, we'll start with Nate on this one since we've been ended on him twice. Uh, Nate, what do you got for track three, Broken Beat Scarred? Heavy first thing. I think this got some nice heaviness to it. Catchy hook guitar, immediate headbanger. It slaps. Uh, I love what don't kill you, make you more strong. Uh, these are little notes, but I have one thing that's kind of like overarching after that. So the chorus just punches your balls off. I love it. Just, oh, it's so good. Crank it, thrash, breakaway rips. Uh, I really dig this song. There's one riff specifically that I want to talk about, and it's the right before the verse lyrics, there's some really intricate guitar picking that's it's almost like some kind of monster's weird change-up picking, but this time it's very consistent and i love the sound of that sonically it's one of my favorite parts of the song and i and, and i just love the message behind the tune awesome. what does not kill you makes you stronger let's quickly look at the uh total performance stats here as this song has actually been played more recently than the other tracks as recently as 2013 has 156 live performances sweet awesome all right uh dick we'll go to you next uh, so back in the, this isn't one of the songs that really s- stood out in my memory from back in the day, but going through this time around, it's quickly become one of my favorites on the album. Uh, I just, I love the production of it. Uh, like the whole during, I guess what you would call the chorus as the, the, sh- where you hear the, the multiple layers of James saying, show your scars. I love that. I love the way it sounds in my ears. Uh, yeah, this this ended up being a a pretty good one in my opinion. Awesome, uh, like, awesome, and Nick. 
um it's a banger for sure um the opening riff was sick uh the riff right after it is just tasty as fuck um but it's a headbanger and it's got a blistering guitar solo so i'm all about it that it does well uh you got a rank for me nick seven and a half seven and a half dick nine and a half nine and a half nate Let's split them some bitches. Eight and a half. <laughs> Meet you in the middle. I gave it an eight, so <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> the only thing we don't have is a straight up nine. No, I, I thought the track was cool. Dude, uh, dude, this this track back in the day used to be low key one of my favorites on the album. Like, I I'm not sure what about it. Maybe I've just I've jammed it too much over the last few years. Uh, but no, I. I dig a lot of parts of this. Um, I want to cover it, <laughs> dude. It's it, dude. It it is truly a badass tune. Like there's like there's no other way about it. It's and it's not one that was a no. It no. It, that was a single. I'll be damned. I I I stand. Corrected. Yeah, that's me too. Sirius gave it a lot of radio play too. I know Jason Ellis show loved Broken Beat and Scarred. It was played very frequently. Uh, Broke Beat and Scarred was. A single. It was the last single released on April third, two thousand nine. So um, I don't remember a video for it, but be something to look up. The next one was the first single, and the the first single was released on August twenty first, so like the month prior, leading up to. I remember the day the single came out. Um, I was working, and I got home. The day the single comes. The day the single comes, and uh, I was nervous, <laughs> anticipated. You know, I th- this is something really highly anticipated. For 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 the lead up to this, they did something called Mission Metallica, where like you paid a subscription fee, and every day you got something new, some behind the scene footage, fly on the wall stuff. Uh, you got to see them kind of making the album as they were making the album, and it, and it was never like a whole bunch. It was enough just to whet your appetite. So you got to hear a lot of the riffs before they, you know, like, but you didn't always know exactly where they were falling, and and you know, you didn't have complete songs like songs like given to you or anything like that with demos. So I'd heard a few things in riffs, but I mean, it sounded cool. But that's what I also thought when I first heard Frantic uh, when they first played it live. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. This is different. And then you dive into Saint Anger, and it's well more of that, but just not as creative. Oh man, getting home, firing up old YouTube, circa twelve years ago. They had released the video. I sat down, hit play. It loaded for five minutes. Yeah, it did. (laughs) It loaded so long I could listen to the entire load album. Uh, And no, 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 no. Like it, it, it loaded, and I was immediately like, "Wow, this is different." And then it clicks, and I'm hearing it. I'm like, "This is damn near justice. This is like justice mixed with black album." And yeah, no, the song took me away. This song is the the day that never comes. It is placed at track four. Very similar to Fade to Black, Welcome Home Sanitarium. Sanitarium. One, uh, the, the the original Unforgiven, as sort of like well, and it actually fits more with the other uh, three that I said because all three of those songs, 
they have a soft section, a harder section, and then a jam section. Where the end of the song is just them tearing it up. And this song does exactly that. And I felt this is the very first full thing that I heard coming into a new album. I must have listened to that song so many times that night. I bought it on iTunes just so I could have it on my iPod and play it everywhere. In the car, at work, in my shower. just Because I couldn't get enough of it. Because I'm like... You know, coming off of saying anger, we and you know, and we've already discussed it, so you know exactly how we feel about it. Um, that was the first album that I had uh, released after I became a fan. And when you have nothing else, it seems cool. But then after a while, you start becoming a little bit more objective of it, and you, it is very different. To, then to hear something here that is modern for the time in two thousand eight, sure, but it has flavors of stuff they've done and mastered before. No pun intended. But no, this song, this song is a fucking banger for me. I love the theme of this song of, of abuse. Uh, not that I love abuse. I love the fact that they tackled it um, because it is something that's hard for people to talk about. You know, nobody wants to be the one, whether, it, whether it's fear or whether it's uh, like if you're a, you don't want to be the person to stand up and say, I'm being, I'm being beaten, I'm being abused, um, whether that's physically or emotionally. And then for guys, it can be even harder because it means you know having to demasculate yourself as to saying, I'm being abused by my partner, uh, which is entirely, you know, that's entirely you know, possible. And the fact that they covered it, 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 it's a heavy topic. The song is fucking heavy. I can't say enough about it. I love the solo. I love the dual Iron Maiden guitar stuff they do here. It's great. Uh, that was one of the like that 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 was one of the first things when 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 they kick into the heavy part and they go into the little dual. James and Kirk are just playing it, and I love when they play it live. They both do that, you know, because James doesn't get a lot of shine time for lead stuff, and so for them to sit there back to back and play that shit like that's that is like. That is the shit that got them into playing music, you know. That and for them to bring that back around, you hear that some on this album. You're gonna hear it more on the next album too. Um, and they're like, it's just awesome. I got nothing else to say about it, Dick. I'm going to you. Well, you said all the things I wanted to say, ah! especially that last bit about the dueling guitars, because you know, uh, th- again, this is uh, fresh Metallica for me back in the day, so. Uh, when that premiered, I was stoked, and I really dug the the softness of it. And I love those octave chords they're playing in the beginning, the, the, that main hook. Um, and then, uh, like you said, the material uh, covering abuse and all that. like that, That's something I didn't quite get back then, but now it's, it's definitely um, coming to my attention nowadays, now that I'm actually listening to it and you know, actually enjoying the music for what it is. Um, but I thought it was a solid, solid first opening sequel, sequel, single. Um, I want to give this song a 10, but like, I think the length kind of kills it for me, despite the fact that I actually like what's at the end of it, where the whole end of the song is just nothing but like three minutes of jam. It's the second longest song on the album. It's eight fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of the length. It's like okay, 
I'm I'm ready for either lyrics again or the next song. Let's move. <laughs> but, yeah, I love this song. All right, we'll go to uh, Nick next. I love it. Um, the intro is amazing. The vocals are fucking awesome. The chorus rocks. Uh, the interlude into the fast part in the middle is incredible. Um, it's even more killer when it picks back up again. The solo is monstrous. It's uh, it's definitely my favorite song on the album by far. Hell yeah. And Nate. Uh, I wrote these as my probably my longest notes on the album, so there's a lot to say here. A Go lot of things it. you guys have covered, but this is just from my perspective. Slow, emotional intro. I love that. It has unforgiven vibes, but at the same time is very different. Uh, vocally, beautiful and moving, especially with the lyrical content and what is absolutely being spoken about, abuse and stuff. Uh, the heavy chorus is awesome, but the again the the clipping is so noticeable it's really bad there uh i wrote who mixed with audacity because <laughs> 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 that seems like what they must have done love is a four-letter word is one of my favorite lines that's in a that great song. line um and <clears throat> never spoken here uh one-esque breakdown and i say like one-esque like it is very much like one the breakdown is great fast thrashy the harmonies check Solid bass, check. Pre-solo is super, and I literally wrote a bunch of different angles to describe angular. <laughs> <laughs> Solo is raging. The finger tap outro ending is the shit. The song has been played 176 times live, which is a large number as recently as the uh, S&M 2, I do believe. It's a great version of that song, last too. last performance. I, yes, can't wait, I agree. I, I can't wait to cover that. Nate, you got a rank for me, pal? 9.25, my bro, bro. And Nick? I give it 10. Finish your drink and open another drink and drink <laughs> half of that drink. <laughs> Finish the drink, all 32 ounces. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And all of a sudden starts pissing on himself. Right. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Dick. Nick. No, no, you know. Not Dick. <laughs> Sorry. I said Dick Nick, and I'm like, no, wait. We just did him. <laughs> Dick. Uh, <laughs> so I, I said I wanted to give this song a 10, so fuck it. I'm going to give it a 10. Boom. Change <laughs> your mind. Yeah. another drink. <laughs> this, is, this is like tied for my second favorite, or it's tied for my favorite song on this album. Uh, I also want to mention I forgot to – mention a, a lyric that i love it's the all in this day i'll splatter color on this gray is it gray or grave because the internet's it's telling gray. me gray. okay the internet's wrong then but i because i think gray makes more sense and i I'll love look right. i got it right here i got it right here nice <laughs> right here man where, where are we at to the death magnetic Bible. i'll splatter color on this gray all right internet you're wrong music's match you're wrong <sighs> Fucking put him on blast, brother. <laughs> wow. No, I, no, I love that line. I gave this song a 10 as well. This, I cannot Wait. ever possibly replicate the feeling I got from hearing this song for the first time. You, you, you can only do everything the first time for the first time. 
Right. So I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, right? I remember. So I got my I got my uh, driver's license around this time. So I was constantly like burning mixed CDs, and this was yeah. like on every one of them. Oh, dude! This mixed- album is. So so really quick, I want to say one thing because I forgot, and this is a good point to mention it because this is around the time that I got my dad really heavily into Metallica. It like, is, was, it like, is. on everything. And it's also the same time because 2008 was the year, the summer of 2008 is when he bought his Mustang. His 2008 Mustang only has 50,000 miles on it to date. Yep. It also still has Death Magnetic still. as one of the six albums in the fucking car to <laughs> this day. All right, nice. so I actually got to cruise with your dad. In the Mustang, uh, with Death Magnetic in there, and because that was like right around the time we were getting the band back together, and I can't remember why you had to leave or do something, or we had to wait for you. Maybe we were waiting for you. Um, but he's like, "Hey, you want to run to Casey's?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." So I, you know, run out there, grab a drink, and grab myself a Twix, and he, you know, he's throwing on Death Magnetic, and I'm like, "Hell yeah," you know, and and, and he's like, "We're you know, we're talking about it," and as we're talking, I I crack open the Twix. And and I, and I take a bite of it, and we're talking. He goes, "Did you just open up a fucking candy bar in my car?" <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm like sitting there with the taste going, "All right." <laughs> oh no, great shit, great shit. Love this song, ten all the way. The next song is another single, I do believe, second single, "All Nightmare Long." That was released as a single on December 15th, 2008. This is one of the Rob Trio songs. Like the, the the some of the direct inspiration for this song came from and you can find it on the deleted scenes from some kind of monster during the St. Anger era. He was playing this flamingo stuff that like one of his relatives had taught him. And James is like, "That is funky." You know, let me. So they're messing around with some of that stuff and just playing some stuff on guitar. Well, that got brought back around because when you hear "All Nightmare Long," this has got to be the fastest, thrashiest Metallica song they've done in years up to this point, and it yep. it doesn't stop. Like I it, recall listening or watching the uh, Big Four DVD, the bonus features, like all the stuff leading up, and they're in the practice room behind backstage, and Lars is like, "Can do we have to do all nightmare?" <laughs> <laughs> he did not want to do it, <laughs> just for practice at least. Oh man, no, it is it is a killer freaking song. It's a another as I said, another long boy, seven minutes fifty eight seconds, and uh, yeah, I mean, this, as I said, unrelenting. The video is freaking weird. It's like this uh, like cartoon Nazis making monsters and all kinds of weird shit going on. And it's like overtakes the entire world with some sort of like man-made pandemic. Oh, uh. trigger word there. Yeah. Okay. All Nightmare Long. Uh, <laughs> all Nightmare Long. We're going to go over to uh, Nick first and see what he's got to say. Uh, I loved it. The chunky intro is awesome. The chorus is cool as hell. Um, lyrically and the way he does the vocals, the whole song, I think he kills it. Uh, and it had another wicked guitar solo. So they, uh, the, the boys are back. They're definitely, uh, they, they, they're like, you know what? Let's just forget all that shit we did last. Let's, let's go back to being Metallica. So we'll- where I was working at, I'm still working at the same place, but I was in a different area. And there's this one guy, a guy a little bit older than me. 
And uh, he swore off Metallica when he heard St. Anger. He was like, that is shit. That is complete shit. And he's like, that's not the Metallica. So when this album came out, I'm like, dude, you got to check out that album. And he didn't want to. I'm like, dude, just check out the album. It's freaking good. He goes, they'll never be as good as they were. I'm like, well, pr- probably not. But, I mean, this is pretty damn fucking close. <laughs> and he finally did. He went and got it. And he told me, he goes, I was listening to it, and I didn't get it. I wasn't really digging it until I got to All Nightmare Long. And it, like, slapped me in the face. And it woke me up. And I went, all right, stop. Now I got to go back. And he went back to the beginning. And now with without the bias per- perception of him not wanting to like it, he's like, I love it. It's great. Anyway, uh, we're going to hit up Dick next, man. What do you got? So this song is a fucking banger. Yes. Um, yeah, if, if ever there were a banger, it would be all nightmare long. Uh, this song is, it's not even a song. It's a straight up composition. Like there are so many different aspects of it there and putting them all in place and it just all lines up perfectly all that being said i am so fucking sick of this song because i've heard it so many times over the years uh this is probably like my most heard song of this album just because like it, it's just one of the songs that's always played on the, either on the radio i played it on rock band i played it on guitar hero played it on guitar hero metallica uh it's just it, it just again it, it also ended up on several mix cds and just this song. Huh? <laughs> there on the mix tape. You made them. I did. <laughs> I believe, I believe. So the first CD I made when I got my license was I got my license. And then I had another one called the CD's cooler than your mom. Uh, and then several others. Of course. Oh yeah. I, I, I named, I always had funky names for my CDs. Um, and here I was over here. I had like 10 volumes of kick-ass mix and, and I would just write, <laughs> Eventually, I stopped writing Kick-Ass Mix and just start writing Volume 10, Volume This. And then I had another one that was Stuff. Just yeah. Stuff. And then the I wrote... Stuff. And, and then I wrote Stuff, Volume 2. And <laughs> like, oh, shit. You oh, also sh- made me two mixes that were 13 and 13-2. 13, 13, 13 <laughs> You know, at some point, I did started doing, like, the volumes, and I started having a two-disc set. So it was like, well, here's Volume 10, Volume 10, Disc 2. And then I also... <laughs> I also had this one. Um, I had this one program where I could do like mess around with the fade ins and fade outs and placements. It like I think it was like Acoustica or something like that. And I did this one mix thing, and I just remember it being like, like I tried to capture like these different kinds of like emotions and feelings I was having at the time. But like picking all these songs and blending them together in a certain way. Like I would try to find like the best way sonically to blend them together. So it was that way. They just, instead of having a hard track two, they like, you had to start at track one and listen to it all the way through to get the crossovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I was doing. <laughs> but yeah. All, all nightmare long, you know, there's just so many awesome movements in this song. It, it tells such a, kick-ass story with the lyrics like it, it's so descriptive uh and yeah you're just banging your head the whole way through i, lo- I love the dynamics of this song your luck and the, oh, the trim picking with the i love that's that flamingo stuff man that that's that yeah. some of that stuff they were doing there luck runs out yeah. Jay <laughs> it on this song. He did. He absolutely did. Nate, what do you got, bud? 
exotic and fucking heavy. Thrash is alive and well. The verse riff is unique to the Met style, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like and and like you guys said, it's a different change here. We hunt you down without mercy. I love that line. Uh, solo is fast, but not my fave. Uh, the post solo is so jammy, and that silent pause works so well in the song, mm. creating a literal just like, bam, back into it. There's one thing in my notes I wrote, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, no fucking clue what it means or what it says or what it even is. I wrote, Wata, a weird symbol, and then one comma two question mark. I don't know what that means. I have no recollection of why I wrote that. Or what that part in the song means. What? <laughs> yeah. uh, I used right. to have, I used to have a misheard lyric in the song. It was uh, "hunt you down without the hunt you down without mercy." I used to say "hunt you down with adversity." I don't know why. <laughs> I hunt you down with people stopping me from trying to hunt you down. <laughs> <laughs> so I've come so- along. Guys, <laughs> Nate, the whole thing that you said it kind of reminded me of uh, uh, of like Elux runs out. <laughs> Ooh, maybe that was it. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe that's what I meant. I don't know. No uh, clue, guys. Sorry, 103 live performances, though. That's impressive. That's it, yeah. 103 last performed wow. live in 2015 for Quebec Magnetic. Wow. I expected more. Well, may, maybe Lars is the reason. Like, no, I don't want to play that song anymore. I'm like, fuck that, dude. I'm tired. <laughs> hey, can I'll we do an acoustic? Can we, can we do an acoustic version of that song? <laughs> <laughs> that might be interesting, actually, especially with the way they've reworked some of their songs to be acoustics, and then the weird for those. This will date this a little bit. But the acoustic "All Within My Hands" special they did this year. There's a version of Damage Inc. that is the heavy version of their acoustic version. Disposable. It was disposable. It was disposable. Disposable. So they did. They did an acoustic version of of Disposable Heroes. It sounds completely weird and off, and but it's different. And then for this thing, they like made that song heavy, so it's like a completely version two of Disposable Heroes. What the it, fuck? Yeah, it's different. It's weird. Um. But one thing that Lars did say on Howard Stern pretty recently when they were uh, advertising that one uh, drive-in show they did, and they played All Within My Hands, like the acoustic version, right? And, of course, Howard's like, so, like, are you guys going to go until, like, you guys are in your 70s? And, like, well, yeah, like, if we're able to, that'd be awesome. It's like, he's like, granted, you might have, like, you know, 126 versions of, like, Songs like songs that sound like all within my hands acoustic, other than like twenty six hundred twenty six batteries. <laughs> but, but, but it's like uh-huh. you know, like we're gonna tr- like 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 maybe like the hard and speed's not there, but the heart's there. You know, <laughs> the attitude. All right, Nate, what do you got for a rank? I gave it an eight point seven five. Eight point seven five, and Dick ten. Ten, boom, ten from Dick. Finish your drink, and Nick. 9.25. 9.25. Damn near a 10. I also gave this song a 10. So finish after you're done finishing that drink that you're still finishing, pour yourself another one, and then finish that one. <laughs> At this point, the listener is drunk. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're not, you're not drinking the right shit. Um, up next was not a single, but really sounds like it should have been. Cyanide. I it was. 
No. Um, no, there's only three singles from the album. And Cyanide clocks in at uh, 6.40. It's the second shortest song on the album. And the, and the one thing that I remember from this, this, has got, this is the groove that I'm talking about. And it's got some really cool like spots where the bass stands off on its own. The dum 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 This song, as far as their groove and it being kind of straight up, kind of reminds me of of like a black album type song. But it's also not. It's kind of weird. Uh, but we'll start with Dick. You got anything for Cyanide? Yeah, I thought it was a single. <laughs> it's very, very single-y. It is. Uh, it, it's very catchy. You know, it's very radio-friendly. I'm fair. I swear I've heard it on the radio, but, I mean, that's possible without a single, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's just nothing wrong with it. Uh, I've, I've heard people say this is their least favorite song on the album, and I'm like, I don't – it's not my favorite. It's, it's not like – it's not like Nightmare Long. It's not like Day That Never Comes, but – Honestly, honestly, I, I could have sworn this was a single because it, it sounds so much like a single. I think it's because it's one of the earlier songs in Metallica Guitar Hero, and it was around that time, and it was, like, popping off, you know? So it could be that it just, like, seeped into your brain. Well, I've also, I've also seen it. They, they've played it live on a lot of the concerts I've watched. They, they, it's the only song off of uh, Death Magnetic that they played on Through the Never. Ooh, nice stat. Uh, I saw that yesterday while browsing FYE. I just saw that on, I believe it's on, is it on Netflix? Through the Never on yeah, Netflix? I, I know it was at one point. I sure. I still have not watched the Never. I mean, I think I really should. <laughs> it's just a live concert with some like, like scenes put in. I know that's when that one dude. Um, Dan DeHaan. Yeah. When it, it, he was like the actor that was all the rage at the time because of uh, Chronicle and a couple other movies. He did Amazing Spider-Man 2. He was set up yeah. to Green Goblin. He was Harry Osborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also, Dahan is the name that Metallica used to go onto Orion Fest and perform all of Kill 'em All live early in the day as a surprise performance. On the side stage. On the side stage, no less. What? Yeah. Yeah. There was a band booked called Dahan, and nobody had ever heard of them. There was no social media presence by them. They were this like weird dark horse, and it's like three in the afternoon in Detroit at Orion Fest 2009 or some shit, and or whenever it was, it might have been way later. I'm not sure, but um, all of a sudden the curtain dropped, and it was Metallica, and they were playing "Hit the Lights," and it went from like a hundred people to as many people as fucking possible in this space to watch them because they ended up doing all of Kill 'Em All. Yep. Good lord. That's so cool. Yeah. All right. Uh let's go to Nick next. Cyanide. Cyanide. Uh got some catchy vocal parts. The solos were pretty good. Um I wrote harmonized guitar licks rule. Um overall pretty good song. Um I'm I'm annoyed by the chorus. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's just I maybe I've just heard it too much. I'm just mm. sick of it. Um, but overall, yeah, it's a good song. I like it. So like the original song title, of course, like on that uh demo thing, it was really called like German soup. But like at one point the song is called Azrael. And so like the line suicide, I've already died. 
that was already there. But then instead of saying cyanide, he would say Azrael, something, something now. And like, and then it got changed at some point. And I'm glad they changed it because I like it a lot better as cyanide. <laughs> but uh, Nate, I believe you're the last one. Oh, how sweet. Uh, cyanide. Wah, wah, wah is the first line I have. Wah, wah, wah. The bass lead is really fun, though. Coming right into, coming right out of that yeah, into yep. the main part of the song. That, yep, that uh, little groovy thumper. Slamming beats from Lars are impressive. The chorus is interesting with vocals following the unique guitar riff. Uh, break this empty shell forevermore. One of my favorite lines. The acoustic break is ultra catchy. The solos are effective in the chorus, uh, and they're trying uh, that, that they're trying to create the. Or, it says solos are effective in the chaos they are trying to create, not the chorus, the chaos. Uh, did Dave sneak back some of these riffs into the band? Because it sure felt like Dave and some of the spider riffing and the way they were doing some of that stuff. Uh, and I liked the chorus outro. Uh, that's my notes. As far as live performances are concerned, Cyanide, the tune, has been performed 184 times as recently as 2018. So it's been played um, for the majority of the past 10 years. One of the lines I like from the song is from that little interlude part was, say is that rain or are they tears that stained this concrete face for years? I like that a lot. Um, but Nate, give me a rank. 7.75. And Nick. 8.25. And Dick. I give it an 8.5. Uh, could I also get a lyric check on this? Uh, lyric find is. I'm not digging this, what I'm here, what I'm seeing. So, suicide, I've already died. I thought it was, it's just the fuel I've been waiting for, but they're saying Funeral. it's. Funeral, okay. You're just so, the funeral I've been waiting for. Okay. It says, it's just the funeral I've been waiting for. Dog, maybe you should find a better site for lyrics. <laughs> well, <laughs> Use AZ lyric, dog. This is, this is just a Google, what Google's pulling up, like, on their front, on their search. Well, Google is uh, horseshit. Yeah, stop, Google. Like, it's, like, Metallica printed it. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not, I mean, they're not infallible by any means, but just the fuel I've been waiting for. It sounds kind of weird. I gave the song a nine. I really dig it. It's one of my favorites from the album, early favorites. Uh, so um, the next one, though, is definitely one, also one of my favorites. The Unforgiven 3. The Unforgiven has, has now officially become a franchise. Uh, it's it's a trilogy of movies now. Um the Unforgiven Three. It, it's still pretty long, but it what sets it apart. Okay, number one, this was this one isn't a single, unlike the other two, uh, and it doesn't start directly with the horn like the other two did. And I think that was on purpose. I think they wanted James wanted this part to stand aside, just kind of like when you have, um, you know, a fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, good and the bad and the ugly definitely definitely stands apart. And all throughout. The Unforgiven is James talking. Is you know, he's talking about his life. He's talking about uh, things that have affected him, uh, his upbringing in The Unforgiven One, Unforgiven Two. As possibly about him finding his wife and trying to like open himself up to her. This song lyrically, Jesus Christ. If you know his journey that he went on before, during the Saint Anger era, 
and how like he near like his wife threatened to leave him and take the kids. And all he's ever wanted was family and he had it. And here he was just squandering it away, right? There is some great lines in here. And and I pulled out the actual official lyrics so I wouldn't get them wrong. Oh, just the opening the opening lyrics. How could he know this new dawn's light would change his life forever? Set sail to sea, but pull off course by the light of golden treasure. Like that is literally about like this whole thing of Metallica, this success driving him in certain directions. Um, by the light, uh, but w- was he the one causing pain with all of his careless dreaming? So he's putting his own self and that desire ahead of his own family. Been afraid, always afraid of what he's feeling because he doesn't know how to approach that and how to. So here's something interesting, Brando. Let me interject here. <clears throat> Official Metallica site has different lyrics. Uh, mainly in that second line, uh, was he the one causing pain with his careless dreaming? Not with all of his. I don't. They must have changed that lyric. And no, it never got with it. his careless dreaming. No, I, I must have said it wrong. Oh no worries. But then the but then uh, been afraid, always afraid of the things he's feeling. Yes. Is that what you said? That's what I thought I said. Oh, okay. Maybe I maybe I just misheard because of my stupid ear. But yeah, um, that's all I have to say for now. <laughs> okay. No, no, but like the thing is, is that like, and these unforgivens, he's, you know, he's like, how can I forgive you for kind of like setting me on this path the way that you did? And I am the way I am because of this, you know? Um, but in the, in this one, it's like the person he can't forgive is, is himself because everything that is happening is because of the selfish decisions that he's made. And, um, it does kind of go off. Um, into some sections where he got to kind of he, where where he guys kind of go a little crazy and, and like in his vocals kind of like in uh, in uh, insane anger where it's like forgive me forgive me not forgive me you know it's got some cool music stuff going on there but like um but what I really like is when, is when we come out of there um and he, and he's kind of doing like a version of the chorus at the end. And the song is thematically or uh, sonically very similar to the first Unforgiven where it's pretty heavy verse, soft chorus. So with that being said, I've said all I've got to say from now on. The solo is pretty kick-ass too. Uh, We're going to hit it on over to Nate first. Oh, cool, man. Uh, The piano intro is super beautiful. The strings make it all feel very S&M. Almost There there are some horns there and they're they're two to tie it in, but it's not the same. Correct. Uh, almost cowboyish riff with the with the main riff of the mm-hmm. song uh, has vibes of fade one and sanitarium. The dichotomy of the intro to the verse is jarring, but like in a good way. You know what I'm saying? How it's like soft to this like punch. Uh, how can I blame you when it's me? I can't forgive. I really resonate with that line. I resonate with a lot of lyrics in the song. I feel like I have had a journey and experienced some shit that's maybe not directly what this song is talking about, but in some ways that I've brushed up against it and know what that's like. Um, which I said, so emotional while being about addiction, it's still relatable. Mm-hmm. And actually to talk about the addiction part specifically, there's one set of lines. Uh, the second, second verse 
these days drift on inside a fog thick and suffocating his sinking life outside its hell inside intoxicating which of course outside everybody's like dude you're fucked up and you're not doing shit right but inside he feels good mm-hmm. and he's in this like malaise of existence where he's just kind of floating along he's run aground like his life water much too shallow slipping fast down with his ship fading in the shadows Ugh, like lyrically this song is probably the single greatest masterwork of james's entire career i think i can confidently say very good penmanship here yes um to finish through my notes uh builds to the solo unleashing i love the verse mashing in the end of the song where they're utilizing parts of the verse while also continuing to get out of the song i think that's a very clever way that they did it uh this song has some really interesting numbers and we're going to see how many times we can say this number in association with this song because the total performances are only 10 times it's only been played in the united states technically twice for the s one two well, for SM2, as two performances will only count as one, but one time prior to that, one year to the day exactly before SM2 in Lincoln, Nebraska, was the first time it was performed on American soil. Wow. What a crazy, just random show to say, hey, we're going to give you this gem. Um, but yes, uh, that's what I've got. Nick. I do not have much to add. Um, except that I uh, really like the intro and the solo was pretty wicked. Sweet. Blaine. I also don't have a lot to say that you guys haven't already said. You know, this is a song that uh, I originally wasn't a huge fan of upon originally hearing this in 2008, mostly because I, I did love The Unforgiven 1 and 2. And this one was just so far different mm-hmm. from those. And it didn't like whereas Unforgiven Two kind of stuck with the same feeling and sound of the Unforgiven. Even uh, even so much with, even so much with lyrical content, but also yeah. some of the same riffs, like the, the verse riff for Unforgiven Two. Wow, 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 wow. It's almost the exact same. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. It's like he didn't say, or are you Unforgiven Three? <laughs> no. Uh, no. no, like like you guys have said, these lyrics are just absolutely wonderful and beautiful. Uh, I've definitely found a love for the song in this this time around. It is. It uh, he had to fight for to get this album on the record. The uh, song, yes, yeah, or yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, get this song on the record. He had to fight for it. Man, this is this was a song that meant a lot to him. You know, this song. <sighs> I don't want to say it like this, but it, like it, it encapsulated that journey. And, yeah. And for very this reflective. song, yeah, very, very, very reflective. But it also is it is in itself a piece of artwork that represents that hardship, you know, and growth to be able to sit there and write about it with the kind of penmanship that he did. Um, it's, I think it's really. Collective of his career in Metallica. No, he, he, well, it's, it's it's that dichotomy of his family life and his Metallica family life. Yeah. You know, the his own fortune and fame over here pulling away from what he always wanted, yeah, because he didn't have that kind of life growing up. 
it's almost kind of like I almost blame them for doing Unforgiven Two in the same so close kind of style of Unforgiven One, because then this one is so off put and different. You could have named this song anything else, and people would have loved yeah. it. It's almost like people maybe dislike this song simply because it's called the Unforgiven Three, and it's like it's it's so, not my Unforgiven. Well, not my Unforgiven, <laughs> but it's almost like it's to the point of like, wow, okay, so we're doing trilogies of songs now, and it's why not really should be like. <laughs> Really, yeah, it's like why not? But it's like chapters, different chapters of his life. Yeah, you know? and I think why it works. No, be, because it is so personal to him, and when he writes them, yeah. to some extent, he's like, you know, even if we don't go through what he went through, if you know his story, you can relate because there's a lot of just pure human emotion in there. So but, far, we've gotten an Unforgiven every other album. So I think next album after Hardwired, we could get an Unforgiven four. Well, yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. If patterns exist. Unforgiven. First thing gonna happen, yes. dude. Unforgiven. Giving it a ten right now. As <laughs> 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 you come out, it's got a ten. Holy shit! Give it a ten right now. Preemptive ten. <laughs> Preemptive ten. So, what's your rank for this one, Dick? Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a ten. Fucking a. Awesome. Oh, it's fucking beautiful. Finish it that is beautiful. drink. How about you, Nick? I gave it a seven. And Nate. Dog. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nick. No, I don't have anything else to say. All right. Nate. Ten. Ten. Wow. Which, again, it's been performed ten times. Dick gave it a ten. I gave mm-hmm. it a ten. Brando? Finish it. <laughs> it's a ten. Finish that thing. So... Before we move on, because and I know that like, you know this episode's kind of dragging on just a little bit, but I wanted to go through to see have we had like because I mean we've only had two perfect scores for this entire run, one from Jan Justice for All, and I believe it was um, No Leaf Clover from like S and M, but like when we're all done with this, and obviously we're going to go through and. Uh, on like the bonus episode at the end of this, we're going to go through and see who gave the most tens on how many albums. Because <laughs> oh, right, okay. because so far, so far, you know, uh, Nate, you've given one ten on this album, but both Blaine and I have given tens to the exact same songs, and Nick's even thrown a ten out there for this one. So this might be one of the more 10 heavy albums out there, which is very interesting. It's also, the only, ten. the only way you could get Unforgiven 3 into a lyric that would make sense would be Unforgiven 3's Company 2. I choose to eject Nate from this podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Nate, oh, uh, knock on our door. The imposter. He was All not right. the um, so the next song is the Judas Kiss, and I will say that overall, this song is a definite step down from the last four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but song probably step down from the last seven. Sure, <laughs> but the chorus, the chorus of this song, the bow down. God, that's one of the best choruses they've ever written. It's tight, it's fast, it's hooky, 
But everything else about I, the song is kind of like, eh, it's, it's it's all right. It's all right. I love that chorus, though. But uh, who wants to go first? Anybody? Anybody? I'll throw it out there. I can I, go. I, I mean, I don't care. To me, a forgettable track, but it has a pretty monstrous guitar solo. It I'll does. That. This yeah, is the one time album I used the word monstrous to describe a solo. So I'm not going to give Judas Kiss much, but I'll give it that. I do like the part, the with the big long chords so what now wiggle why but then the i don't like the other verse like it's just like down it's like it just kind of like it's i can't get into a groove but then with that freaking bow down sell your soul to me i will set you free pacify your demons yeah yeah that that's some good shit uh we'll, we'll go dick next yeah, I don't got a lot to say about this one. The chorus is, yeah, like you guys said, it's the best part. Uh, besides, apparently, the monster solo, which I don't remember. I kind of, I I, just, I guess I zoned out the last time I listened to the song. There's some good but, solo work on the whole I, album. Like, yeah, yeah. Really and I think I, said, I think I said that to you the other day at work where I was like, man, Kirk really killed it this album. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the chorus feels very, guitar-wise, feels very, like, load-reload-ish. Um yeah, it's like, I don't have much else to say about this song. I feel like the chorus, the the riff with with all being power chords moving around, moving. Yeah. That's got that shows really good chops to be able to record that and not have it just be nothing but finger squeaks. <laughs> and you do doing all these slides and stuff like that. Like to, like that's some tightness that I don't. I'll never have. <laughs> It'll never sound that good. But Nate, we'll go to you next. Uh, for my notes here, I've got heavy and angular. Icky, sicky verse riff with so many angles. It's so many. Uh, when, you're just about that this episode. Angles. All about angles, bro. <laughs> well, look back to Ride the Lightning. It's a very angular album. There's a lot of, I mean, not direct similarities, but they're bringing back that old school vibe. That's kind of why I write angles, because it tells you they're going back to their the well that they draw from. Yeah, but I mean, I like this song, but it's a little bit obtuse. Oh, I like what you said. <laughs> oh, like you did there. At least you didn't think it's acute. Uh, <laughs> Um, I love the thrashy chorus shifts with even more angles and heaviness. The song does draw on by the time the solo hits to melt your face, which melt it does. Uh, The second solo section has some cool riff variations. Bow down. The song has been performed. Anyone care to guess? 12 times. Good guess. 17. Okay, good guess, Brando. Twenty-one. If this was fucking prices right, Brandon wins is the highest bidder because thirty is the times thirty. So it's been played three times as many amounts of times as Unforgiven three. Interesting. Cool stat. Weird. Interesting. <laughs> also, last per- last performed on Brandon's birthday in twenty ten. I like to think it was for him. <laughs> in New Zealand, no less. We're saying a Judas kiss to Brandon. <laughs> From New Zealand. Mwah. From New Zealand. <laughs> All right, Nate, you got a rank? Yeah, Judas Kiss is an eight. It's the eighth song on the album. I gave it an eight. All right. And uh, Dick. I'm gonna give it a seven because it's less than eight. All right. And Nick. 
<laughs> I'm gonna give it a five and a half because it generally sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like the first time anybody said a song sucked. <laughs> generally body. sucked, though. It, it, it just generally. No, I, why we ranked it what we were. I, like, I don't even think like during Saint Anger we said it sucked. <laughs> oh, I think I think it was I just think you wrong. I think we did worse. We than talked about sucks. how bad it was. We talked about how it's the worst. We talked about the quality of it, but I don't think it ever came out that it sucked. You called it cow shit, bro. Yeah, but we, I never said it sucked. <laughs> Even cow shit well, has a purpose. Yeah. I like fertilizer. Mushrooms. Bad and rank those. And, like, it sucks at the top of the list. <laughs> I something horse shit's a little worse. That's what I thought. I don't know. I gave the song an that's 8 wrong, because I, Nick. I gave the song an 8 because I love that chorus. Then that's... It was one of the first things I heard from the album, uh, besides the single "Day That Never Comes." I I first heard that chorus, and I didn't know even know what song it was. So I bought the album. Like, where's that chorus? Where's that chorus? Where's that chorus? And I get to this song, and I'm like, "There it is, <laughs> found it." <laughs> yep. So the next In song, sandwich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The next song, "Suicide and Redemption," the first instrumental since "A Justice for All." And technically, the uh, the fourth of total instrumentals for the band. Um, I did not like this as much when I first heard it. This is the longest song on the album at 9 minutes, eight, 58 seconds. However, this song has grown on me. A lot. There's a lot of back and forth stuff between Kirk and James on solos. In fact, on Guitar Hero Metallica, you can play the song. You can play the song with, I guess James did a version where he did all the solos, and Kirk had a version where he did all the solos, and they just kind of like did stuff. And for the final version, they just mixed matched their favorite parts and did that for this. But overall, I feel like the the song mixed matches some of the some really cool themes and elements from Call Cthulhu, Orion, and um, uh, to live is to die. Specifically, the part that I really like is when the song kind of slows down and you got that lead guitar over it. The do 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 do. That's really good stuff. Comes back through. Yeah, so we'll go. We'll head on. We'll head on over to Dick first. What do you got? I'm probably gonna catch some heat for this, but this is my favorite instrumental they've done. As of as of now, yeah. Nate, Nate's like, like, Nate, Nate's out, man. And I just love Nate. how much of a jam this song is. <laughs> you know, I was watching a video the other day. It's like um, some guy defending uh, the worst songs on each album, mm-hmm. and this he was by the way he was using like like a justifying what the worst songs was. He was going off Loudwire's ranking of yeah. all Metallica songs, and this is Loudwire's worst. Metallica song ranked, what? ranked 115 it ranked lower than That's cure right. it ranked lower than cure it ranked lower than dirty window and purify and bad seed in fact what? purify is way higher than this song <laughs> I don't know how it's like in the 70s it's like the the loudwire like I I've officially lost faith in that uh no dick now I am way higher than that song <laughs> Oh, Suicide and Redemption, like, again, this is 
back in the day when I first heard this, I was like, eh, I'm not into it because it's a it's an instrumental. I don't want to listen to this. Made me but, throw my clipboard, bro. What the fuck? Now your notes are all jumbled up. We're not gonna be able to hear about the angles. Or the zooms. Or the zooms. Oh, the zooms just shoot out of there like <laughs> Nah, this this song is a jam. Zoom is my new motherfucker, you know? <laughs> like it's just gonna <laughs> Nate, how angular is this song? Uh, you know what? My 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 notes here are gonna be interesting. I might catch it's some different kind That's of heat. Uh, fade up punch intro, but then here's where things go downhill. Riff is riffing. When it slams in, it's real good. Solo one is fun and playful. Acoustic breakdown feels like them trying to capture Cliff's essence one more time, and that's the one part about the song I really love. But that's the part where you da 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 da. That whole thing is dope. Bass lead is cool, but too short. And then I wrote, so ellipses, much ellipses, time ellipses, left ellipses, so ellipses, long ellipses, because what the fuck? It's taking forever to get through this tune. The solo section has some cool bits. Post solo jam build back to the main riff is a nice, but again, too long. And the final note is too much riff salad. Too much riff salad. There's no way this song is better than Orion, and there's no fucking way it's better than Call of Cthulhu. Not by a long shot. That's fair. Nick, what do you got to say? <laughs> um, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Um, it's one of my highest ranked on the album. Um, I love the ebb and flow. The, uh, the way they go from being loud to being quiet. Um, the first solo in particular was incredibly cool. Um, yeah, I don't think it necessarily stacks up to the other instrumentals, but maybe that's just because I've had more time with the other ones. They've had a lot more time to get my love. Um, but generally, I, I really enjoyed it. I feel like they should be co definitely commended for the effort here. They did a good job. Is it... No, I agree with with everything that you guys have said, uh, other than Blaine. Um, no, it, <laughs> I, it isn't my favorite. Uh, but I, but I definitely feel where they're taking elements and this is sort of like them saying, you know what? We haven't done one of these in a long time. Can we still do it? And the answer is yes, they can still do it. D was it exactly as good as the other, like Orion and Cthulhu? No. Uh, but I feel like they, they took us on a pretty cool journey here. So we'll start with Nick. What's your rank? I gave it a 9.0. Nine. Straight up nine. From Nick and Nate. Well, first of all, the song has been performed twice live. Twice. Which is actually a surprise. I didn't think they would have ever pulled this song out, but they played it once in Copenhagen, Hagen, Denmark, and once at the Fillmore for their 30th. Yeah, well, uh, on the 30th, it was four shows, and each night they opened the show with one of the instrumentals. So Sweet. Um, Sweet. Yeah. So those are my stats. Back to my rank. I gave it a seven. A seven. And Dick? Nine. Nine. I gave it an eight. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, some pretty cool stuff. Now, Nate was like so much riffage. I actually like how much riffage is there. There's some really yeah. cool stuff in here. Um, definitely a case where they're like, we have like, I have a tape full of riffs that we have done nothing with. That's the song, bro. Yeah, it's just the tape performed live. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> 
All right, so the next song is the last track on the album, My Apocalypse. Their Grammy Award winning My Apocalypse. <laughs> Words I did not think you would be saying. <laughs> saying it again, going through it, really thinking about these other songs. It's fucking hilarious. I know, I know. And you know what? I don't hate the song. This is definitely, in my opinion, the, the Damage Incorporated of the album. It definitely fits right in there with that song of being like the hard, heavy, thrash closer. Not necessarily going to be your single or anything like that. We're just going to be heavy. We're going to thrash our way out of this album and, and be done with it. Uh, so with that being said, we'll head on over to Nick first. What do you got, bud? Uh, several cool riffs, but none that really like blow me away. Um, and just generally nothing really stuck out to me. I didn't even make a note about a guitar solo. Did it not have a guitar solo? Yeah. Yeah, it did. It did? Well, then it, it wasn't good enough for me to even make a note about it. So come on. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I thought it ripped, but as far as, like, was it as cool as some of the other ones here? No. But... No, okay. Yep. I didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't write it very high. It didn't really stick out to me. Right on, right on. And Dick, we'll go to you next. I remember hating this song back in the day. Mm-hmm. This is my least favorite song on the album originally. Now it's just like it, it's there. It's middle of the it's middle of the road. Like I enjoy it. Um, the part that really sticks out out to me, and I wish there was actually more of it. Like I wish the chorus was slightly longer and had more of the. So we cross that line. How he sings that. I love how he. I love James's voice there. I love the guitar there. Um, and then it's it just continues on. I used to hate it because I thought it was so cheesy. Uh, and then I was like, and nowadays I'm like, ah, that's thrash metal. That's fucking thrash. So what it's about? Uh, I, I, I always hated. I just always hated hearing my apocalypse. It's funny. Uh, I watched a live stream way back in the day. They they did like a live stream pre album release listening party with uh, James and uh, I believe Rob was there. And uh, the other guy was there. The host was Jim Brewer. Of course, he's been a longtime friend of theirs for a long time. And uh, one of the songs they played was my apocalypse. And when they were talking about it, James has forever ruined the title of this for me. Cause I can't think, <laughs> I can't think of the, cause they, they, cause they said my apocalypse, man, that's a man, that's a metal fucking tune. And then James picks up the microphone and says, my friend Paco's lips. <laughs> that's so good. And like, I, why did you say, my friends, hot gold lips. So now I can never <laughs> say or think about this song without hearing James laughing, saying, "My friend Paco's lips," in that typical James Hetfield joking tone. I just can't. Anyways, uh, Nate, I believe you're next. Yes, sir. Uh, for my notes, I have "Fast and Tribal" intro is really cool. Old school thrash is a return to form. Chorus bangs while being simple. Album name drop, that's when they say Death Magnetic, yep. which is awesome. I love the riff pan, especially with headphones in the Zune. Uh, there's a pan that happens kind of around your dome meets, and it's really crazy. It actually gives me the brain scramblies and made the hair on my arms raise. It was wild. Uh, the song moves fast. It ends quickly. Cross that line. I, lo I loved it. I, I think this is a really solid ending track for them. Honestly, though... Honestly, this song could have been moved up earlier into the album and pulled something else to the end, and it might have worked better. And it might have actually been more impactful being earlier in the album 
because yeah. we've listened to everything else as opposed to it being at the end of the album as like here's our final offering. Interesting. All right, then hit me with that rank, Nate. Well, first of all, let me hit you with its 37 live performances. 37. Uh, mm-hmm. Last being performed at the Fillmore, Fillmore. for their 30th. Yep. Uh, and my rank is an 8.25. And Dick. Seven. Seven. And Nick. Five and a half. Five and a half. So, I rank this song a seven as well. You know, it's there. Pretty thrashy. And I'm happy to say that not a single person on this album ranked anything a no. There was stuff that sucked and generally sucked, but there wasn't any no's. Good. So that, Proud of it. Yeah, that, that's awesome, dude. That is awesome. The overall ranks the, are way up. The, o- the only four the album got was Unforgiven. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh, sorry, guys. I'm the worst. Spoiler. <laughs> so, uh, the lowest, al- uh, Nick, you had the lowest average rank of 7.52, which is way up. No, no, hell no. Yeah. Especially since St. Anger for you was 4.86. <laughs> you know, it, it, it moved up marginally. Yep. Now, no, the next one was Nate with 8.4. Flat out even, 8.4. Then it was Brando, 8.5. And then Dick with 8.6. We're like, wow. we're, we're right in there with each other. And Nick is like, I'm down here because it's all right, guys. Uh, it's pretty good. But... <laughs> so that gave us a master rank of 8.25. And I got to say... <laughs> I'm looking. That's up there. I'm looking. I'm looking. It is currently number four. <laughs> what? Look at that. Wow, uh, that's it, crazy. It ranked higher way. than Black Album. Okay. Yeah. Weird. Black Album was, had a master right. rank of 7.98. We're also a little harsh on Black Album, if you guys look back and remember. We were definitely laser-focused with picking those songs apart. Okay, so it goes Death Magnetic. Then it goes Injustice for All. Then it goes Ride the Lightning and then Master of Puppets so far. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Good company. Some really good company for sure. And and you you know what? I've always said Death Magnetic to me feels like Injustice for All, like the album that would have been in between Injustice for All and Black Album, like sonically and how their songs were kind of arranged. But also, it, it, it's a it's a culmination for everything that they had learned up to that point. You know, they had gone so far to the radio friendly. They had gone to the raw and pure, blah, ugly shit. They had done yeah. their masterpieces at this point. So now they're just putting together, all right, what do we do here? Sitting down. But yeah, the guys, that's going to wrap it up for the album. We have a few extra songs here we're going to shoot through pretty quickly. The Beyond Madinek EP was released in 2011 as the lead-up to the Fillmore shows, that 30th anniversary, four shows that they did release. And there are four songs here that did not really make the cut. And for each night of those, uh, they played one of these songs and debuted them. And, uh, yeah, like, I remember, like, was being super excited, like, you know, with them coming out. And this was the statement that they made. It's like, during the Death Magnetic sessions, we recorded 14 and then whittled it back down to 10. 
And, you know, some of you may have heard these bits before on the behind the scenes or heard rumors about them during the recording process. And whatever happened to those, like we decided, like we kept them in the vault and decided to pull them out for the special occasion. So these are some leftover tracks. They are rough mixes and unfinished to their original degree of mixing uh, to the final mixing of March of 08. Uh, these four songs were released as a gift to our closest friends or, or fans and, and the members of our fan club to enjoy, and now they're being made available to all of you. So we're going to touch on some of these songs because I think it's kind of interesting that overall the quality is pretty – keeps standard for the most part. Uh, but the first song on the, on the EP is Hate Train, and Dick – did you know that hate is a train? <laughs> it is a train. Hate is in fact a train. <laughs> my first note, my first note is he says that first line and I busted up laughing. <laughs> what, what was it I said? It's like, uh, it's just in from the man himself who claimed to be a table. <laughs> he claimed to be the table. Now is making the bold claim that hate is in fact a train. And is that the same train from No Leaf Clover, just like on the same track <laughs> continuing? Like possibly. You know, I didn't even think of that. This, is like, this, this this should have been No Leaf Clover 2. No Leaf Clover 2. Two Leaf Clover. Hey, two Leaf Clover. <laughs> two Leaf Clover. <laughs> not a jam. <laughs> this is not a jam. Songs okay. I, I can I can see why these songs aren't on the main album. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. the uh, there was like you said, there's not a sacrifice in quality. It's not like these songs sucked and we're like, wow, we're not releasing those. No, they're just they don't they don't really fit in with the album. I think and but they're not bad. The song is not bad. It's just it's okay. What about you, Nick? You got anything? I liked it. Um, I liked it. Uh, the intro solo. He had a guitar solo right at the beginning. I yeah. thought that was sick. Um, so, so I'm fucking digging on it. And then he comes in with the hate as a train. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a mixed bag. <laughs> um, which I don't think it really was a mixed bag. I, I generally enjoyed the rest of it. Um, when it slows down about two and a half minutes in, I really liked that. Um, the solos were cool. And... Um, I felt like the way they did the final verse was a little heavier than they'd done it or the final chorus, whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought that, I thought that sounded cool too. So I generally liked it. Yeah. I, I really like the chorus in general because they did kind of slow it down and they, and they brought it back up. This is a song that I feel like out of all the ones on here, you probably could have had hate train replace the end of the line for me. And it would have been a, like a little bit better, and I'm, not by much, but just like I feel like it would have slotted in pretty well right there. Um, but I, I love that soft chorus. I love the, the going back to the hard chorus, like Nick said, and again starting it off with that killer solo. Like you're just like boom, you're in it. Hate is a train. Hate is the fame. Rage is a flame. Rage is the blame. And from a darkness I descend, clinching a torch of sweet revenge. Stellar rhyming, James. Okay, this isn't as good as the penmanship on Unforgiven 3, okay? We, <laughs> we're aware of this, Dick. I'm just he like... On Unforgiven 3. <laughs> yeah, no, he just... That took a lot of energy, all right, man? It, did. it really did. 
He you wrote know? this immediately following. He's like, "Fuck it, that's as good. This is my thirty <laughs> percent." <laughs> that guitar, that old drum tech seeped into me. That motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nate? Uh, I wrote low and chunky fuel vibes. The solo in the intro is simple but perfect. Like that is very fuel, isn't it? In. The down, yeah. down, 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 down. Yep. Mm-hmm. God, what, what the hell? Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Verse grooves. I love you. Took away tomorrow in the chorus. I lo- that that line. It just it like it always hits me, and I'm always thinking about it. Um, the break is awesome, slow but still vicious. Has some brilliant Metallica beats in the overall song. The solo, uh, the it's solo two it is an absolute melter. Breakdown is kind of like Randy Orton RKOing you out of nowhere. It just hits, bam! Breakdown is there all of a sudden, and the drums kicked ass. I really liked it. Shockingly enough, I thought you guys probably didn't expect this. This song has been performed live. Well, guess what? They all have. Correct. Because <laughs> I said it earlier. They yep. they debuted them at the Fillmore shows. Yep. And and it was the only performance of Hate Train. Oh. It jumped off the track after this. Oh, man. <sighs> so much hate for the Hate Train. Nate, how much hate do you have for the Hate Train? Actually, I really like the song. I gave it a 7.75. I think it easily could take away Suicide and Redemption off of the main album. It could have replaced. Yeah, really, it's the same fucking rank as Cyanide for me. Not to say that I would have gotten rid of Cyanide in favor of hate is a train. But, uh, you know, I, I did like the song 7.75. And Dick. Hate is a six. I thought you were going to say an eight. God damn it. Lowest rank on here for you. So, I mean, they're not part of the, of the album proper. But, Nick, how about you? I'm going to give The Hate an 8. I also gave The Hate an 8. Really like this track. Uh, the next track, Just a Bullet Away. Just a Bullet oh, Away. <laughs> suck up my barrel. Suck up my barrel. Suck till it's gone dry. <laughs> <laughs> Staring down the barrel of a 45. That's already a song, James. <laughs> man. I think it was out by that point. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, dude. That, like that came out like 2004 or something like that. At least uh, that old Shinedown Shine song. It's like Shinedown's claim to fame, right there. Yeah, 45. Yeah, they had to have been like way before this. But anyway, uh, not my favorite <laughs> on here, but also nope. not my least favorite. Um, I like the the grooviness of the. But yeah, that's what I got. Let's go to uh, let's go to Nate first here. What do you got? Just a rank away here, folks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Slip that one in on you. Originally, I ranked this as a six point five. I just want to say that before I say my notes because this is a song that at the end of the song, when I heard the end of the song, I was like, I have to go back and rethink about this song now. And then I gave it a secondary rank. And we'll talk about that when I actually get there. I wrote an angular intro. If we're using the word angular for a drinking game, you're fucked up on this one, baby. Heavy and tribal kind of has Pantera vibes a little bit there. Intentional, unintentional, who knows? The vocal pattern is different. It does get your head bopping. Quit with angles, you fucker. I see that. Uh, The chorus is not enjoyable, unfortunately, was my exact quote here. But I put the slow break is possibly going to save this one for me 
the dual lead section over the acoustic brake is powerful. That's all I've got. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're just sitting here waiting. Like, is, is there anything else? And... <laughs> all right. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. wait. It's been per- it's been performed once. One time. Okay. Just like the other one. The, Nick. That yeah, one. Yeah. Nick, what are your thoughts? Um, my first note is the suck on the barrel stuck into a straw. <laughs> I got another good one though. <laughs> Hold on. He says, Stop the voice, it's in my head. I'm like, the voices that are telling you to suck the barrel dry. <laughs> but then uh, right in the middle, I wrote, what the fuck just happened? Because in the middle, it just like it becomes a different song. Um, and I really like the second half. The first half, I just couldn't get over me. It was he said, suck the barrel way too many times. <laughs> way too An many uncomfortable times. amount of times. Suck on the so barrel. Suck drop- on the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, not the, not the best song. This one probably deserved to not go on the main album. Dick? Uh, so I really hate the way he says, and the shine of a midnight, in the shine of a midnight revolver. I really don't like it. How does he say it, Dick? In the shine of a midnight revolver. Uh, <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, suck on the barrel. Suck on the barrel. God, I, I'm just... <laughs> This song definitely makes me uncomfortable. So <laughs> the the second like you guys have been saying, like the second half kind of makes it better. It gives it cool uh more dynamic. Um but as far as it goes, uh suck on the no, suck on the no. <laughs> oh till it's gone dry. Oh, so, you, so it's four? Four. No. Four. That being said. All right. First okay. no. First no we've had this episode. Nick, how about you? I get a seven. It's one of those that I think I think I get enough humor out of the barrel sucking that it, <laughs> that it gets me through to the good part of the song. Yeah, yeah. So I'm laughing. I'm 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 having a good time laughing at it, and then I'm having a good time because the music decent. So go. it's a it's a good ride for me. Yeah, hell yeah. How about you, Nate? Well, my my original rank was a six point five, so like I said, it was lower. But uh, that was kind of preemptive before I had to finish the song. I was like, God, this song fucking blows. But then I went back and listened to it a second time to really give it some some juice and some real proper respect. The second half, like I said, saved it for me. I gave it a seven point two five to kind of piggyback off of what Nick said. It's funny because it is kind of like almost a a tenacious D level song where it's so ridiculous. It's funny. So you're into it. And then all of a sudden it becomes really good. And you're like, I'm actually kind of into it. Okay, like, cool. That's that's my that's my vibe on this song. I do think it could have possibly replaced maybe one track on the uh, the actual Death Magnetic. But I digress. All right, so I also gave this song. Well, no, okay, so I gave it a seven five. I gave it a seven five, but almost for the same reason that you guys do. I kind of like enjoyed the first half just, just like just because, and the second half's pretty, pretty decent. The next song to Helen back. Um, I I I like this song. I do, uh, but it's also like kind of apparent why it shouldn't have gone on the album. Uh, also, there was a misheard lyric for me, kind of. If genius is to be correct here, because I don't have the album on me to 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 check the actual 
uh, lyrics. At the beginning, he says, there's nowhere else I can run to. She's wretched, but she comforts me. Wretched. I always thought she said ratchet. (laughs) (laughs) She ratchet, but she comforts me. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to... I got wretched. Hold on, I'm going on to the official site. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> I don't see where it is in the in the song. Where is it? It's the it's the second lyric. It's like second line. Okay, hold on. She she's wretched, wretched. but she comforts me. Yep. Every time I heard it, it was like she ratchet, but she comforts me. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the first Metallica song to have the word ratchet. Uh, and yeah, like, they're, they're yeah, man, right, you're right in there. But uh, yeah, it, it's all right. I don't really have a lot to say about it. I like the, I like the, the big heavy chords with the chorus. Uh, I I do believe that the main the main lick is a very James like that's very like yeah just kind of like groovy and yeah so uh we'll go with nate next what do you got uh helen back had a creepy intro angular and punching drink for angular uh a moody number great riffs but no substance jammable but not their best the song here is a shocker has been performed 16 times Wow. Which is 15 more times than I expected to find <laughs> when doing these numbers. All right. We'll go to Dick yeah. next. So um, if there was going to be a so-, so my least favorite song on Death Magnetic, End of the Line. If there are going to be if there's going to be a song that replaces that, it's probably this or Rebel of Babylon. Uh I didn't really write any notes. I'm not. I'm not as familiar with this these songs as I am the rest of the album. Sure, you know, <laughs> this last I, week and the first time I've ever heard it sure, at all. Sure. So uh, I just I don't got a lot to say about it. Um, I do. I I do remember enjoying this song way more than the first two. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. What about you, Nick? Uh, I generally liked it. Uh, the, I thought the intro was really cool. Um, some decent riffs, and it gave me kind of like Black Album vibes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I give it half. Was that? What was that? Seven, right? and seven and a half. All right, seven and a half. If I can write, if I can type the number down, you did not give it a zero point seven or zero point five. You gave it a seven point five. Zero point five. A little more than the. Year. <laughs> All right, Dick. What was your rank? Uh, I'm gonna go with a seven and a half as well. And Nate, six point five. I gave it an eight. It's it's just pretty good. The last song, Rebel of Babylon, uh, has a lot of themes here. We talked about it earlier about like Lane Staley and 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 his his trek down there with addiction. There's a lot of a lot of addiction parables here. You know, talking about dirty spoons and poison ink and and uh, it, I I want to like this song more than what I do because I like what it's about. I like what the, that they touch on it. I'm just not sure that I do. I like the beginning of it. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is about it, but this last time when I ranked it, I definitely this is this is my least ranked 
or least this is my lowest rank in the entire not like album but here so we'll hit it up we'll we'll, we'll go with nick next what do you think about rebel um i didn't really like the first half of the song um the instrumental parts in the middle were pretty cool um overall i said the first half of the song isn't anything to write home about but i love the second part all right and dick uh like i said if if i could replace a song on the the album proper um it'd be <clears throat> either hell and back or this song that being said i i don't remember <laughs> i remember liking this song a lot and then it's uh, my mind's gone blank at this point it's why you write notes you motherfucker i like yeah, I, now now that i'm reading the lyrics i do like the way that he sings the first parts rebel grip your bottle tie just float away. It almost has a very like seventies type style. Uh but the I don't like the uh let this dark shine, just let it shine bright. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I dig that. Anyway, um Nate, I believe your last one, bud. I gave Rebels uh here's my here, we're not at ranking yet. No, we're not ranking, we're uh, just talking about it, buddy. The song is slow and mysterious. Mysterious. Uh, The the one thing that, uh, the start, the start, the start, not the whole song. Okay. Uh, James singing in an odd register is something I noticed immediately. Uh, A little bit later, there's like a jam section, and that riff kills and then just gets thrashy, which I really enjoyed. Angles for days. Drink that drink. Break into solo is weird. Solo is weird. (laughs) <laughs> literally the break into the solo was weird the solo itself was weird. dual lead into bass heavy bit is fun but too short and the song has only been performed uno yep all right what was your rank nate a seven and dick eight and nick 6.5 i gave the song a six didn't really dig it didn't really dig it but that's what's me but that's it that's all our songs we got for this episode. We did the album. We told you the master rate, 8.25. We did these extra songs because it's pretty cool to see the songs that didn't make it. Maybe one or two of them could have been on there in place of the other ones. Why they didn't do it, just a two-disc thing that they ended up doing for the next one, we'll never know. But, guys, thank you guys so much for joining me here today for this episode of Rank Em All. It was really a pleasure to sit down with you guys and talk about these cool-ass songs and revisit a just killer album from the latter part of their career, which you might not expect to be right up there with some of their best work. Yep, for sure. It was a nice change of pace from the last couple. No, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But And also thank all of you for joining us here today as well, listening out there on podcast land, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Rank Em All. We'll be there. You can also check out the website, rankemall.rocks, and get all the stuff there. Of course, we're a part of some other podcasts as well. We have the Journey of the Comics Network. That's an affiliate that we'll have linked. Of course, uh, we have other podcasts there, like Journey of the Comics Podcasts, Brews with Dudes. We also have the Podcastrophy uh, uh, feed. It has a bunch of other stuff that he does, that Dick does as well. And uh, we have Game Addicts podcast that I also also host. So if any of that stuff inter- interests you, be sure to check out the links down below or on the website. But fellas, I think it's going to do it. For One us. final thing: if you're watching on YouTube, you got to make sure to smash that subscribe button, 
Comment and like down below. Share it with all your friends on the interwebs, man. We need your support to get this thing rocking. Absolutely, and and you can interact with us all over uh, social medias and on uh, and in the comment sections as well. Let us know your ranks. We want to hear what you have to say about some of these, and we can yes. you know, make this a big conversation with each other. That's all. That's what's great about music. It brings us all together, and we can get a good conversation of flow going. Anyway, guys. All that stuff we said. Go check all that out. Until next time, for Nick Maxson, Dick Tyner, Nate Phillips, I've been Brandon Stone. This has been Rank Em All. What don't kill us has definitely made us stronger. <laughs> Except we may be hardwired to self-destruct. We'll be checking that out next time. Later on, guys. Yeah.